I greet you in the high and holy name of Jesus Christ, our crucified and risen Lord. And as the video <clears throat> informed you, <coughs> we've been dealing in the last few weeks with um, the misfits. And today we come to the ultimate misfit in the Christmas drama, the shepherds. As the Barker family told you earlier, uh, this, the shepherds were the, the riffraff, uh, the true misfits around the nativity. The story about them comes from the second chapter of Luke's gospel. I begin reading with the eighth verse, and if you're able, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's holy word. <clears throat> and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated and let us pray. <clears throat> Take my lips and speak through them. Take our thoughts and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. Unless you speak, nothing of significance will be spoken. Give us your word, Lord Jesus. Amen. Occasionally when I'm out on the highway, listening to my XM radio, I get this urge, maybe every three or four months, to turn to the two channels on my XM radio that feature country music classics. Now, why do I do that? I don't know for sure, but it may be that I feel a need to maintain some cultural balance. <laughs> Maybe it's because the lyrics of some of those country songs are so profound, so deep. Like the one that says, 
you are a hard dog to keep under the porch. <laughs> that is profound. And then the one that says, I'm so miserable without you. It's almost like having you here. <laughs> but then I think I'm attracted too to the fact that most of those country songs tell stories. And often they're stories about trucks and trains and alcohol and love that went wrong. Even the story about a, a good-hearted woman loving a good-timing man. Yeah. <laughs> and I heard one recently told a story. young man was sitting in church, but he was not listening to the preacher. He was focused on his girlfriend who was singing in the choir. And in the song, he pays her the ultimate compliment. He says, she's a great bass fisher, a dynamite kisser, and his country is a collard green. <laughs> Thankfully, there was one group of people around the nativity scene in Bethlehem who were as country as collard greens. They were the shepherds. They were as common as the sheep they cared for and no cleaner. They were the riffraff, the misfits of Judea. The scuttlebutt about them was that they borrowed things and didn't bring them back. In other words, they were prone to steal. And shepherds as a group were so notoriously dishonest that they were not allowed to give testimony in courts of law. That's the shepherds. However, the shepherds were the only group that got an invitation to come visit the newborn Savior of the world. An angel of the Lord, backed up by a heavenly chorus, brought them the message, issued the invitation. Now, it's true the wise men were guided to Bethlehem by a star, but most experts believe that the wise men did not come until Jesus was at least two or three weeks old. And by that time, the Holy Family would have moved away from the stable into more suitable housing arrangements. The shepherds were the only ones given an invitation from heaven to come visit the newborn Savior in a manger. So they must be mighty important. So let's consider what God would teach us today through the shepherds. The first thing, the primary mission of Jesus is to be the Savior. The angel's good news to the shepherds was this, for to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus has loads of titles in the Bible. Titles like Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Emmanuel, Lamb of God, Prince of Peace, but his first and foremost title was Savior. His first purpose was to save us from our sins. There was a young lady named Elizabeth who, freshman in college, she went off to college and came under the influence of a liberal religion professor. And when Elizabeth went home for Christmas holidays, she said to her pastor, Pastor, I no longer like to think of Jesus as my Savior I rather prefer to think of him as someone who identifies with me. Her pastor said, Elizabeth, I want you to imagine that you're on the, 
in a room on the fifth floor of a hotel and the hotel catches on fire and you can't get out. And let's suppose that a fireman at great personal risk climbs an extended ladder to the window of your room. Now, do you want him to save you or identify with you? And the pastor added, a person without Christ is in far greater danger for all eternity than somebody caught in a hotel fire. Elizabeth understood and she said, you know, I think I want to reclaim my Lord Jesus as my Savior. I am so glad that I'll never have to face God as my judge. And the only reason I'll never have to face God's judgment is that I've got a Savior who paid my penalty for sin when he died on a cross. And therefore, when I stand before God one day, my record will be covered by Jesus' righteousness. I will be ushered into heaven, sponsored by Jesus. Isn't it wonderful to have a Savior today? And you can be sure that you are saved if you have repented of your sin and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. So the first thing God teaches us through the shepherds is the first title of Jesus is Savior. Here's the second thing God teaches us. Once you meet Jesus, you can't help but tell others about him. You cannot keep quiet. Luke tells us that after the shepherds had seen the baby Jesus in the manger, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. Imagine that. God must have smiled at the irony of it all. The first Christian evangelist were the lowly, foul-smelling shepherds. They were the very first to say, we have seen the Lord. There's a television commercial that I see occasionally for the Mercedes-Benz automobile. And the advertisement shows the Mercedes-Benz in a safety demonstration crashing into a cement wall. And there's very little damage because the Mercedes-Benz has this amazing energy-absorbing body design. And they have a patent on it too. Nevertheless, a lot of other car companies have copied this wonderful design. And in the advertisement, someone asked a spokesman for Mercedes-Benz, why don't you enforce the patent? Why don't you keep these other companies from stealing your design? And the spokesman replies matter-of-factly, there are some things just too important not to share. How true that is. Think about it. What are the things in your life and experience that are just too important not to to share. Here are a few of them. Who first taught you that there was a cross on a hill long ago that had your name written on it? What you do for your Savior is important, but what he did for us is crucial. Here's something else that's too important not to share. The people whose love has shaped your life in significant ways making a list of them, the ones whose imprint on you is so deep. Have you thanked them lately? Christmas is a wonderful time 
to reach out and say, thank you. When and where did you first repent of your sin and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? These things are too important not to share. The shepherds shared the good news about Jesus all over Judea. Surely you and I should share that good news in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our clubs. Once you meet Jesus, you can't help but tell others about him. And that brings us to the third lesson that God teaches us through the shepherds. God cares deeply about the least, the lost, and the marginalized. In the wisdom and providence of God, he was determined that some plain folks would be represented, represented at the manger of Bethlehem. And so he invited some unusually plain and common folks, the shepherds. The Bible tilts, no doubt about it, the Bible tilts toward the least, the lost, and the marginalized. And indeed, thankfully, many ministries of Mount Horeb Church address those very tight people, those with the greatest needs. Emma mentioned earlier our special Advent offering that's going to build homes for the homeless, not only here in Lexington County, but in far-off Liberia. And then there is the Operation Christmas Child that many of you have participated in that tries to make sure that every child in need will have a shoebox full of good things this Christmas. And then there is Circles Lexington County, which is designed to come alongside people who are currently living in poverty and help them move out of poverty. These are just a few of the outreach ministries supported by our church. Honoring our Savior, who said that anything done for the least of these, my brothers and sisters, is done for him. Abraham Lincoln is reported to have said, God must love the common people because he made so many of them. But according to the Bible, there are no common people. None. Why? Because according to the Bible, each one is extraordinary. There is no Bible verse in the entire Bible that has had a more profound effect on America than Genesis 1, verse 27. You're going to see it on your screen right now, and I want you to say it out loud with me. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. That verse declares that there's something God-like in every human being. Each man and woman has the divine potential to become a child of God. That means that every single person is infinitely precious. Thankfully, that truth found its way into our Declaration of Independence. That marvelous document declares that all persons are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with inalienable, unalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
That truth, Genesis 1:27, has also shaped our criminal justice system in America. The way people are treated who are accused of crimes. It declares that in the courtroom, every person is equal and nobody is guilty until proven so by a jury of their peers. This truth from Genesis 1:27 explains why we try to help drug addicts, mentally ill people who live in tents today on the streets of many of our major cities. This truth, Genesis 1:27, explains our treatment of illegal immigrants. Even when we have to deport them because they have violated our boundary law, even then we feel compelled to treat them with care and respect. This truth explains the victory of America's civil rights revolution. Back in the 1960s, black people marched holding up signs saying, I am a man. And Genesis 1:27 says a hearty amen. Genesis 1:27 explains the revolution over the past 50 years in America's attitude toward abortion as science has enabled us to hear the heartbeat and see the tiny fingers and toes of unborn babies, we have been compelled to say something infinitely precious is there. Surely the hand of God is at work. Genesis 1:27 has made it almost impossible for people of faith to label any person as worthless. In God's sight, there are no misfits, no riffraff. God has hung a price tag around the neck of every single person, and it reads, priceless. Let me return to country music for a moment. Johnny Cash, the man in black, won fame initially as a country music singer, but by the time he died in 2003, he had blended rock and blues and gospel into his music. In 1968, Johnny's life was at a perilous crossroads. His first marriage had failed. He was hooked on drugs, uppers and downers. And in desperation, he reached out to Jesus Christ and made a commitment that with Christ's help, he would stay sober. And then the Lord seemed to direct him to the most unlikely place you could ever imagine. God seemed to send him to the infamous Folsom Prison in California. Johnny scheduled a concert there. And the songs he recorded there became one of the best-selling albums of all time. The real stars of that concert were the prison inmates. They gave Johnny a thunderous welcome and affirmed him as a brother. And one of Johnny's biographers claims that in a very real way, Johnny Cash found Jesus among the inmates at Folsom Prison. After all, Jesus tends to hang out with the riffraff of the world. That explains why Johnny always performed in black 
He said, I wear the black for the poor and the beaten down, living in the hopeless, hungry side of town. In his identification with the rejects of our world, he found his mission as a representative of Jesus who came to seek and to save the lost. When I was a youngster of eight or nine years old, we were living in an upstate town in South Carolina. Papa was a preacher. And living about a mile from us was uh, the Hewitt family, consisting of a mother and her three little boys, ages about six and eight and ten. <clears throat> the father had deserted the family several years before. And the mother was working two different jobs to try to put food and clothing for the boys and uh, a house they could live in. And uh, she was so tired and worked such long hours, she had little time and energy left to discipline the, bo the boys. So they tended to be wild and unruly. Now, she had to work on Sundays, so Papa decided that we should go by and pick up the boys and take them to church and Sunday school every Sunday. So we did. And then on Christmas Day, our family would get up and we would open gifts around the tree. And then along about lunchtime, Papa would say, let's go get the Hewitt boys. Their mother usually had to work on Christmas. And so we did. And there was a present for each of them under the tree. And mama would have a meal prepared for them. But there was a problem. The problem was the Hewitt boys liked to play with my toys. <laughs> and they almost always broke at least one of them. And so the Hewitt boys aggravated me considerably. And I remember thinking, what in the world does Papa see in those aggravating little boys? You see, I was too young to understand. Papa saw them through the eyes of Christ, who always tilts toward the least, the lost, and the marginalized. Those Hewitt boys remind me of the shepherds of Bethlehem, rejected by polite society, but treasured by God Almighty. You know, God loves everybody, all people. Oh, but he tilts. He's got pets. His pets are those who are farthest from home and in the greatest difficulty. Nobody's good enough to get to heaven without a Savior. And no one is so bad as to be beyond the reach of the Savior's love. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Jesus said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. He stands at the door of your heart right now. If you have never opened the door of your heart to the Savior, do it today. Do it now. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, loving Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing those lowly shepherds to be honored guests at Jesus' manger. We praise you for a love so broad that no one is excluded, no one is expendable, no one is beyond hope. Teach us to see every human being, born and unborn, as priceless. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.